Welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick Smith, Aged Care Psychology Consultant. I bring my background in psychology, clinical experience, and latest research to this podcast, which is shared in stories, strategies, and solutions to the widely underestimated problem of isolation and loneliness in late life. I truly believe that supporting well-being of our elders is a shared responsibility and that we can help the older person achieve better outcomes for their well-being and do our best by being our best and looking after ourselves. I'm glad you're here. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Voice of Age Care. And in this episode, we are going to talk about why and where we should escalate our concerns. Now, I know we all work in different settings, community, residential care, um, or we might be supporting a loved one at home, but it's just important to know when we have some concerns, where and how we would escalate them. And this topic comes up quite frequently in, in the training sessions I do, and I think it's really important to know why we should escalate our concerns. And I wanted to talk to you today about where we would escalate our concerns about client well-being, how to have difficult conversations with families um, and leave them, um, you know, they can leave them and you feeling vulnerable. So how you can wrap up those conversations and where you might want to point the families and also how we can look out for each other and how to escalate concerns that we might have about our colleagues as well. This is this is particularly important in, in today's world, specifically here in, in, in Australia when we think about such high prevalence of mental illness in, in people across the lifespan, in particularly in, in older people who may not recognise that they might have a mental health condition that is treatable, that is curable, that can improve the outcomes of their their physical health status as well. And then on the other hand, how we can reduce the risk and rates of suicide attempts and completed suicides because even in 2023, we here in Australia you know, have nine people who every day um, take their own lives. So, you know, about 3,500 people every year who die from suicide. So... Uh, we know that early intervention and support for people who have right wide range of issues, you know, even if they just need to have a chat, confidential chat with someone about the changes that they might be facing or the challenges or feeling burnt out, it's really important to know where where do they turn to. And so I wanted to do this episode on its own because I think it's such an important topic to talk about. And, you know, I, I know that in my training programs, I, I talk about it separately and I tend to discuss it as a as a completion to the training program, you know, one of the modules, but I think it deserves to be discussed by itself separately from all the other aspects of, of training and escalation of concerns can really help you, help someone else, and it can also save lives. So let's let's get into it. So the first aspect, client well-being. How can we escalate concerns about client well-being? So I don't know, dear listener, you know, are you a mental health professional? Are you a carer? Are you in a management role? Are you a registered nurse? Are you a student? Are you a researcher? I have such a wide range of listeners, so it makes it a little bit tricky sometimes to make sure that my 
episodes are not too complex and yet not too simple. But let's just cover off the basics. So if you have a client whose well-being you're concerned about, maybe the client seems a bit off, they might seem a bit disengaged, or they may have had changes in their physical health status, or perhaps they're going through grief and loss as well. Not necessarily with someone passing away, but just grieving the life and independence that they used to have in the past. And how can we then make sure that they're getting the right help and support they might need that is outside the scope of what we do. Maybe we do exercise with them. Maybe we provide changes to their dressings or maybe we do music or recreational activities or maybe we could be a, a spiritual leader or a spiritual care provider. So how do we go about escalating those concerns and is really to look out to, to know what signs and symptoms to look out for. So it could be about, you know, we notice that Perhaps the person seems a bit flat, not just one day, not just having a bad day. You know, a lot of us have a bad day or, you know, our thinking can change if we haven't had a good night's sleep. And then to think, okay, well, this has now been going on for, you know, a week or two. I'm quite concerned about this person perhaps being socially isolated. Perhaps they seem down and, they, you know, they're getting teary and emotional And so it's really important that those concerns are escalated to that person's GP who can review them appropriately and then make recommendations if they need to get additional support through, you know, counselling or GPs can have those confidential chats with their clients and the families about the, the best step forward. And GPs have, in the last couple of decades, come a long way in terms of looking how to treat an older person's mental health. And it's no longer just about prescribing medication, but also looking at non-pharmacological strategies to boosting well-being as well. So they might make a referral for that person to get some counseling sessions. As I said, you know, some people might need medication straight off, some might need counseling, some can have combination. For some, it could be about, you know, joining group programs, you know, keeping an eye on the person, evaluating where they're at, reviewing if there is a risk of of suicide, if there's, you know, perhaps other things that are going on that could contribute towards those emotional changes. Maybe the person is going through delirium. Maybe the person um, has a UTI. So just screening the person um, comprehensively, it's best to be left to the GP to do that. So if the person is in the care home, some of those screening measures can be done before the GP, but the GP is ultimately the one that will review the person and determine what is the best course of action, you know, what's the best course of action for that person? What would help them the best? Um, and so that they can really rule out, you know, that there isn't anything uh, more significant going for the person or perhaps they can say, well, yes, you know, that person is going through grief and loss. They might just need to, you know, speak to a counsellor, speak to a chaplain or someone, you know, have a couple of sessions to, to process their grief. But it's really important for a GP to do that. So in your role, you know, you might be a registered nurse and you can talk to the GP straight away or maybe there's a path, you know, different pathway within your workplace in terms of how it's done. So you might need to escalate that to your manager and then the manager, manager might speak to the GP about it. But my, my instructions in terms of talking to GPs, like follow whatever is within your workplace, what's the right process and procedure for doing that because there could be different ways for your in your workplace how that is organised. So that's that for client. There's also an option for the clients to call and access 
directly without the GP referral uh, counselling services. So, you know, they can call Lifeline 131114. They can call the Swinburne Wellbeing Clinic for Older Adults. That is conducted by telehealth or um, video. I think also some people can go into the clinic, but that's down in Melbourne. And obviously, like if you have a client with reduced mobility uh, and with reduced uh, access to, to transport, face-to-face might not always be viable. So keep in mind there are many options. There, you know, They can call Beyond Blue, as I said, Lifeline. They can call Swinburne. Australian Centre for Grief and Bereavement. I'll put all those business names, um, organisational names and, and contact details in the show notes as well so you'll you'll have access to those um, phone numbers. But for clients, yes, it's about noticing those changes and often it is not the GP that will notice those first changes but it will be the GP who can assess the person to determine what is the best course of action, what's the next best course of action for that person. So that's that's clients. Then you might have families who might have difficulties processing emotional changes um, in their loved ones. They might have difficulty coping with the, you know, the past history that they've had with their loved one and then that person entering care or you know, their health status changing. Perhaps the role reversal, you know, parenting the elderly parent and the child then becoming the caregiver and the parent becoming the care recipient and the challenges that might be brought on by that you know in in some instances it could be that the that the person is you know their health has changed overnight and in other instances it could be that the change was subtle like you know i keep on saying like person does not wake up with dementia one day it's it's those subtle changes that happen over time and how how we cope with them and how we respond to them and you know there's a lot of anticipatory grief to 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 go and process through there's also a lot of grief about the future that we anticipated that didn't happen and and how we respond to to that as well so so, you know for families it can be quite difficult at times to to go through and process all those changes and, and and then accept that things are different and families can can have a really hard time to to go through that because I think on the surface they they need to appear strong and and healthy for their loved ones but then on the other hand you know they might be finding it really difficult personally I remember meeting some families over the years who've said to me they found it really you know hard to go into care to see their mum and sometimes they'd be sitting in the car for hours crying before or after the visit because it was just too much for them just what the pressures of you know going to work then going to facility, then going home and, you know, repeat day after day. And then all they would hear from their loved one would be, you know, complaints about care, about the meals, about engagement, because their loved one really wanted them to know that they were not happy about where they were being. But, you know, when they took to start, they'd be like, no, mom seems really happy. She was good. But then the feedback given to the family would be, well, no, they have not been happy. They have not, you know, so it can be a lot of pressure put on the families. And, Yesterday I ran a training session and a couple of the participants, my devoted listeners and, and my participants from the workshops, people that I've known, colleagues, you know, they, we go through these things, you know, personally. And when you personally go through, you know, you're putting your loved one into care or supporting your loved one, you know, living in the community as well. It's a lot to take on. And some of you have emailed me and said, you know, 
my podcast episodes have helped you process what you've been going through personally, you know, with your loved one passing away, your loved one being in care. It, I think it's important to also recognize where where can we send families for more information. And I know some of you who work in the industry, it's it's easy for you to recognize where to go. You might already have access to those brochures and, and to support numbers. But for some families, that might not be as easy. They might not know what to do or how to get that support. So, you know, we need to think about those families. And so when we have those difficult conversations, where we can point them to, where can they get that information? So I always think the brochures are really helpful when you are finishing those discussions and when you are going home at the end of the day going, here's this brochure. And the Australian Centre for Grief and Bereavement, they've got a whole range of brochures that are so helpful. They can be used um, as a nice way when you finish your discussion with your with your client and with the family, um, and 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 you you give them those brochures as I say. Here's some more information that can help you, you know, transitioning into aged care um, for family information for family and friends, or dealing with grief anniversaries, significant events, and that those handouts are really really helpful because it talks a lot about those symptoms that the person might have. So it could be talking about the emotions they might have, like guilt for placing their relative or friend into residential care, sadness that they're no longer able to care for their family member, shame that they have failed at their responsibilities, fear that their relative or friend will not be well cared for, frustration, anxiety, taking care of themselves. So this, this, the handouts can really help and give more information, but also importantly, the phone number where they can call and have a confidential chat as well. So there's no need for them to have a, a you know, a GP referral to, to have a confidential chat with someone from the Australian Centre for Grief and Bereavement to call Beyond Blue, to call Lifeline. But we can just tell them about those supports that are available, that are confidential, that are free of charge for families, that they can tap into and, you know, maybe have one or two chats that can help them. But also, you know, what I really like about the information in these handouts is that it also talks about how we can work together as a team with aged care staff so that they can understand, you know, that it's okay to ask questions, to talk to the care staff or management about their family, about their, you know, support needs, where they can turn to and how they can make the experience and the process as easy as possible. And so if we think about it from that point of view, you know, of, of working with families, Giving them that information could be just the right step to get them that support sooner as opposed to them pushing through the challenges that they might have on an ongoing basis. And and, and, and having that, that information can really be timely. And so if you have a family member who's well, who's supported, they're more likely to engage better with their loved one when they come and visit the facility or see them in their own homes. And, you know, that, that's a better outcome for everyone. You know, happy family, happy older person, happy service provider. It, it, it just um, makes the whole experience a lot better. And then last but not least, if we have worries and concerns about colleagues as well, we need to know where we can escalate those concerns if, 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 our, employee, if our colleague seems a bit off or they seem a bit short or they don't seem necessarily like themselves. They might be going through some personal stress or they might be experiencing burnout. They might be experiencing 
something else going on for them, either personally or professionally. They might seem angry. They could seem sad. They can seem, you know, hostile. So speaking to our colleagues and escalating our concerns to managers could be the right way to go about it. I know a lot of workplaces have, you know, handouts about the employee assistance program and access to counselling, which can really be beneficial for the people who might need short-term intervention, as well as obviously like, you know, even with the EAP, if they have employee assistance program sessions, that can point them towards, you know, more long-term support if and when required. And I know that with EAP, it's been used for wide range of issues that the person might have. They might need to have one or two sessions to talk to someone about something that's, you know, pressing that, that, that's that been difficult for them. You know, sometimes it could be just knowing that, that staff and management are there to support them on difficult days, difficult times. You know, if, if the organization is going through accreditation or, you know, tendering or some other stressful event that this too shall pass. And then obviously we can encourage our friends to make appointments to go and see their GPs and health providers who can help them more with external support and services available as well. But across all domains and supports for for our clients, for families and for colleagues and for ourselves as well, it's really important to note, you know, that taking care of ourselves is so important. And the sooner we do it, the more regularly we do it, the better service we provide. And we're more able to look out for each other as well. So that means if you're sad and if you're not doing too well, you might see someone else in a similar state and think, hey, that's actually okay. But if you feel rested and you come, you know, back to work after some time off and you notice that someone's sad and unwell, it's like, well, no, actually, it's not okay. Are you okay? Checking in with someone. Every September, we've got the Are You Okay Day to check in with, with our colleagues, loved ones and clients and make sure that they feel okay through challenges that they might be facing. So I'll put all those contact numbers in the show notes and you can have a look and, and also the I'll point you in the direction of those resources as well for those difficult conversations that we might have or, you know, access to information for, for families and for clients so that they get the right and timely support as soon as they can. So I hope that you've gained few ideas from this episode and it helps you recognize why and where we can escalate our concerns and what what types of you know incidents or what types of concerns we would need to escalate it's always better to be safe than to be sorry and it's always better to help someone sooner rather than later so i want to thank you for listening to another episode a voice of aged care, and I hope you got a few inspirations. And I'd love if you could access those resources and let me know what you think of them and if you can share this episode with your network and friends too. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release another episode by becoming a subscriber on your app of choice. And if you can, please leave a review too. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now, the next thing you need to do is go straight over to wisecare.com.au forward slash resources and check out my latest resources you can download for free. It could be a book chapter, 20 strategies to boost engagement with elders, 
or my most popular resource, Five Facts About Me worksheet. You'll be sure to find them all there, wisecare.com.au forward slash resources. I'll see you at the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,